Welcome everybody, you're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning, you're with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Lawson asked me what I'm thankful for this morning. I do. I, I, I will. Uh, okay. What are you thankful for this morning? I had the best weekend ever in my life. My son got married. I have an amazing daughter-in-law. Uh, it was fantastic. So good. It, it was, was just the best ever. Lawson was there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what made it so great. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it was so good. I had an amazing weekend too. Honestly, it was incredible. Uh huh. Like, it was like everything went just went perfectly. It was one of those. You know, sometimes uh, you just go to a wedding and everything just runs perfectly. And mm. there were like little hiccups here and there, which there always is with a wedding. Some of them being caused by probably me, but whatever, you know. <laughs> we had a great time and they're a great couple. So huge congratulations to Harley and Eliza this morning. I'm going to do a big shout out for them because I'm their dad and because I'm on radio and I can. <laughs> Yeah, that's so good. You have a platform. You I do. That's amazing. I had a great weekend too because it wasn't only like the wedding. The wedding was so good. Yes. And like you said, like there's hiccups, but honestly, it was it wasn't even noticeable. I, no. I I went up there. I flew up on Friday morning, and then my friend Ruben flew in on Friday night, and we stayed together for the weekend. We stayed right in the middle of Brisbane, so we did lots of walking around and sightseeing. And I have some friends up there who are like you know called up. It was like, hey, take us out to good restaurants and stuff, and we. You know, did all those kinds of touristy things. It was so good. It was amazing. Like, I had a good weekend, regardless of the wedding. Like just getting to hang out, and then and then the wedding as well. Like you're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so we have um, a guest coming through here. It is also not a scroll. Oh, that's good. It's a pretty good guess, but it's mm, not a scroll. It's not a scroll. Okay, some things that it's not. Let's figure out what it is mm-hmm. while we're working on that. Let's have some positively different news this morning. Oh, there are so many epic good news stories this morning. I've had the best day for good news ever. I, only, I honestly don't even know where to start. Um, the, uh, let's, let's start here. The world's most premature baby ever has celebrated its first birthday. Oh, wow. Two days ago. Actually, yesterday, it celebrated its first birthday. It had an odds of surviving of 0%. It was born at, I believe, 10 ounces, uh, 11.9 ounces, and was just 10 inches long. Um, And, you know, I think it's like, how premature was it? How premature was it? How many weeks was it in the womb? Only 21 weeks and two days. It was 131 days premature. This thing was absolutely tiny. It was born in the Children's Hospital of Minnesota Minnesota and Minneapolis. And guess what? Is it a he or a she? It is a boy. It's a boy. And, and the little alive. boy lived. And he's one years old And now. he's one years old and they have a little cake for him. It's really, really cute. His little cake, it says like... You know, it actually has like GWR on it because he is the Guinness World Record holder of the youngest, most premature baby to survive ever. Ever. That, that, ever, that, that ever, is incredible. Ever. The science that we have available these days is just phenomenal. I so mean, this kid just decided he didn't want to be in the, in the womb. It's like, no, it's better on the outside. Yep. 
<clears throat> and he's living it. Nah, that's that's fantastic news. So good. So shout out to Richard Scott William Hutchinson uh, for his first birthday and just, you know, overcoming really the impossible at an incredibly young age. Yes. Literally at minus zero years old. That's, that's just, <laughs> it's just an incredible story. So, so, so good. I thought that was amazing. I read that and I was like, man, praise the Lord for the, this the, the, kid. The, and and praise the Lord for the technology that we have that you can actually mm. do that mm. and and keep this kid alive and have this kid, you know, grow and develop and become a person yeah. from... 100%, from nothing. 21 weeks and two days. Literally, like, they said when he was born, his skin was so translucent, you know, that yes. you could see everything. You could see his ribs, you could see his little organs. Like, he was just oh, wow. absolute... Like, he was nothing. He was he was a fetus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, was a fe- he wasn't a baby. He was a fetus, and they, dude, they really like this. And this kid's just living his best life. It's awesome stuff. Okay, uh, next story. Oh, what do I want to talk about? There's so much cool stuff happening, Lyle. Okay, let's talk about this. Um, a father from Wisconsin has set another world record. This we've got a bit of a theme to see. Yeah, morning. world record. Another this world record for the most push-ups in a one-year span. Okay. And he's done it for a few causes. This is pretty epic. He's done it for, for two reasons. Firstly, he wanted to, he wanted to show essentially what the power of perseverance could achieve. Yes. Um, by, you know, splitting tasks up into, you know, small achievable goals, setting a good example. He's a social worker mm-hmm. and he works with lots of people who struggle to do that. So he wanted to set an example just in the task of doing push-ups. Also, he was raising money for an amazing foundation. It's called Ta- A Tunnel to Towers and it's essentially for people who have lost their lives in the line of duty, specifically first responders, firemen, policemen, all of these things, he has a background in in military in the military and whatnot, and he wanted to he wanted to do something for these people who they've lost their lives and their family, then you know don't have their sole income, you know breadwinner and whatnot. Uh, but yes, yeah, so. Guess how many push-ups he did in one year? Oh, I have no idea. What I'm really curious about is how many he did per day, per day. on average. So check it out. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. guy completed 1.5 million push-ups oh, in my. one year. He did so by averaging around, I believe it said, he would average around 4,000 push-ups a day. How much time did that take? Well, so he said, this is the thing, he was working Four a full-time thousand. job. There's a story here how he was he was running a marathon and he was like, oh, I've got to do my push-ups today. And so he stops halfway through the marathon and just busts out 3,000 push-ups. Well, he like stops multiple times during the marathon to do so. He would essentially like weave he didn't in win. his day. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> just, just, just did a guess. Just, just throwing it out there. He just weaved within his day, like, you know, uh, these 4,000 push-ups, but doing a couple hundred here, a couple hundred there, a couple hundred here, a couple hundred there. And literally from the moment he woke up to the moment he went to bed at night, whilst working, he's smashing out push-ups. Yeah, I'm thinking this record might not be broken anytime soon. Yeah, because it's one of those ones that's like you need to, for this guy, it was a year commitment. Yes. That took like an incredible amount of training and preparation, you know, coming up to it, you know, to be physically in shape and whatnot. He ultimately like he sealed the record on the, you know, the day of like one year um, uh, in New York in front of, you know, members of the... Uh, fire department, the police department, the authorities and whatnot in the MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, actually. 
Uh, and yeah, like he was just there smashing out these push-ups. Everyone was counting him down and cheering him on. And yeah, 1.5 million push-ups. What's amazing is that when human beings create technology, the harder you work that technology, say for instance your motorbike, the harder mm. you work it, the faster it wears out. Mm-hmm. The human body, the harder you work those muscles, the stronger those muscles get. 100%. I think it's, it's just so the opposite. Awesome. You know, when God creates something, it's the opposite of what commu- what humans create. Mm. And so yeah, it's like just incredible to see. Um, he raised a ton of money as well his record is currently in the process of being verified because the guinness world records have to go over you know a year of footage watching him <laughs> do 1.5 million push-ups like they need someone's, to count. someone's gonna be sitting in front of a camera for a long time they're, de- they're definitely gonna times two that one like they're gonna, yes. they probably have it's like all right you do you do three months you do three months you do three months have like delegated it so they can get it done oh dude that's so awesome anyway okay the last story i have to share this morning a yemeni fisherman has come across a 1.5 million dollar catch he caught a sperm whale and in its gut they found ambergris which is like this waxy material that only grows in the belly of a sperm whale and they didn't kill the sperm whale by the way they found its dead carcass oh, okay they found its dead carcass floating in the ocean and i read when i read this i was a bit skeptical but they have the ability to verify and they saw like i oh, know that this thing's been dead for a while and they see its dead carcass floating in the ocean they're like oh let's drag it into shore they drag it into shore and cut it open and there's a 1.5 million dollar 240 pound rock of a burgess there and which they sold the next day for like a million and a half dollars which for yemeni fishermen literally is like it's yes. like the poorest country in the Middle East. It, was it is. Awesome. And they said themselves, they're like, we thank God for every catch, but now the merciful has blessed. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. The uh, just texted through to, uh, in relationship to your last story, is just to say that's a whale of a story. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, where's show when you need it? You could have pressed the womp, 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 womp. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, if you know what the answer to the quiz is, you can give us a call 0491-064-669 and win this epic book that we have, God With Us by um, James W. Gillet. Just an awesome uh, look into the book of John, specifically its first 12 chapters, just dealing with how God is with us, how God might be like us, and how he saves us. So... Lyle, what's happening in current news? Cristiano Ronaldo making headlines. Ooh, actually, I yes. think I think I know what you're going to talk yes, about. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is this is a pretty cool. This is one of those stories. that's just it's just too cool not to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, nah. You know what? I'm just going to share it. Yeah. Okay. So he had a press conference for the uh, Euro 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's he's sitting there. Um, he's, he's about to do a review of Portu- Portugal's Group F uh, opener with Hungary. Um, and he's sitting behind two bottles of Coca-Cola mm-hmm. because Coca-Cola is the sponsor, well, one of the sponsors for Euro 2020, so they get to do product placement. So they put these two bottles of Coke out there in front of the camera and uh, he's sitting back there and he's about to talk. And before he speaks, he moves forward, he takes these two bottles of Coke, pushes them to the side out of the screen of the camera and just says the one single word, Portuguese word, water. Mm. And then just proceeds as if nothing else happened, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So he just he just pushes uh-huh. them to one uh-huh. side, uh-huh. says water, and proceeds as if nothing else had happened. In that split second, he managed to wipe four 
billion dollars of Coca-Cola's market value. And I think this is just like the best story ever. This is like, we have seen this like over the last year, I would say, consistently celebrities have been making massive changes in the stock market by saying like one thing one word one word and then L- just literally yeah that, i read that story i thought it was so funny particularly because coca-cola is such a big company uh and because coca-cola is such a terrible terrible drink for children in particular to drink <laughs> yeah i mean this is like the out of all of your sugary drinks this is the most sugary the a1 word yeah, this is top of top of the list of like don't even go there. Dude, and it's, yeah, so he pushes it out of the way. But this is like, so Elon Musk says, like, Dogecoin's a joke. Like, hold it, <laughs> like loses two-thirds of his value. Um, I believe it was Conor McGregor in a press conference. He had a, mon- a Monster Energy can sitting in front of him. Obviously, he has his own brand of, like, I think whiskey or something. And he, like, so he picks up the Monster Energy can and throws it across the room. And he's like, oh, I don't want this. I have my own drink. Um, and then like, basically the result of that was that monster lost like a massive amount of stock because it was coming up. I have no sympathy for monster. Yeah. But I have no, I also have no love for his other. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't care about, I don't care about his thing, but it's just funny that we see this happening. Like this Uh is a regular uh occurrence. And I think now a lot of people are feeling like the stock market is just a joke. Well, the thing is on a more serious note, Cristiano Ronaldo is renowned as a health campaigner. Mm. And, and that's fantastic. It's great to have celebrities out there who are campaigning for health. And he talks about it, you know, how he forbids his children from drinking Coke or Fanta or eating chocolate, those kinds of things, because, mm. you know, this guy is a high-level athlete. He yes. knows how this works. He knows how the human body works. He knows that these are terrible things, um, you know, and, and at best should be used for special occasions. Uh, mm. Interestingly, uh, Coke vending machines have been banned in at least one county in the U.S., Oh, so Surrey County in North Carolina banned Coke vending machine. It's a pretty big move right, right there. That's that's massive. Coca Cola is an American company. Yes, and that county just came in like, nope. <laughs> that's people insane. are starting to wake up as to just how dangerous these kinds of products mm. are. Mm. <clears throat> okay, so while we're talking about um, food and the US, there's a new viral TikTok video which is probably going to have a uh, significant effect. It's been watched like 7 million times or something or other uh, on uh, American institutions like Maccas, otherwise known as the American Embassy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But what what this TikTok video goes into is the difference between the ingredients in the American Maccas versus the rest of the world. Yes. Okay, and so basically... If you take, for example, French fries from Macca's, there are, and we would think, oh, French fries is pretty basic. What have you got in there? You've got potatoes, mm. oil, mm. salt. Mm-hmm. The American French fries has 10 ingredients in it that are not found anywhere in the rest of the world because they are not legal anywhere in the rest of yep. the world. Mm-hmm. So this is just, this is some pretty crazy stuff right here. So, um, I don't even how you ha- how do you put ten extra ingredients into chips? Yeah, you know, in the UK they have potatoes, they have uh, vegetable oil, they have dextrose, and they have salt. Mm-hmm. In Australia, we have canola oil, which is a step down because that's an industrial oil, and we have sulfates as well. Um, but America has all these extra ingredients. They talk about Quaker oats uh, as an example, and in the rest of the world they have strawberries in them. In America, they have red things that look like strawberries but are cheaper to make. Mm. And worse for you. Uh, Mountain Dew 
has a petroleum dye in it in the United States, but nowhere else in the rest of the world. Um, and it ha- also has brominated vegetable oil, once again, illegal in the rest of the world. Mm. And this is this is on top of the fact that in the United States, of course, your serving sizes are twice of what, you know, maybe not twice, but much larger than the rest mm. of the world. Heinz ketchup has uh, an addictive sugar syrup in it that is banned elsewhere mm. because of its uh, addictive nature. So, yeah. That actually loops back perfectly to the Coca-Cola story as well because it's another huge thing with sugary drinks in the United States that they have corn syrup in it. That's right. It's banned in the rest of the world. Exactly, Um, because it's addictive. Well, pretty much the rest of the world, other than uh, this actually closely, you know, uh, it speaks to my heart. When we went to Ethiopia, the only thing I could drink over there was, well, I was very sceptical of even water because... Oh, we're sceptical of everything. uh, Literally everything. The only thing... Boil it and cook it. The only thing I knew we could drink when because they'd offer me juice and stuff. I'm like, oh, but what if they've mixed it with water and you know I'm gonna get super sick. The only thing I could drink, I was like, oh yeah, I'll have a sprite. And the sprite full of corn syrup. is full of corn syrup, and it's literally the best sprite I've ever drank in my life. And, and the worst for you. <laughs> and the worst for you. But like, dude, I toxic. get it. Like, oh man, because sugary drink addiction, particularly in the United States, because of these additives, is is it's killing people. Like. And, and children are becoming addicted to it. Mm. This is the this is the really scary thing, and we should be protecting our children. Our children have a right, mm. children's rights, child rights. They have a right for, uh, for, to have parents. They have a right to have parents that will protect them from things that are going to destroy mm. them and to destroy their health. Um, you know, moving forward. Okay, we uh, while we're talking about health. A bit of a health theme here this morning. Ooh. Mouse plague in out west, of course, western New South Wales, coming a little bit closer to home this time. Has driven out of uh, driven prisoners out of jail. The Wellington Correctional Centre has been is in the process of being evacuated right now because of mice. Because of mice, the mice have driven them out, um, and this is a result of their inability to combat the mice. Four hundred inmates being driven out, two hundred staff that now they have to find alternative uh, em- employment for. So this is a pretty big issue. You know, the Bible says that these kinds of plagues are a sign that Jesus is coming back soon, and this is what we should be expecting in our day. And we are seeing, you know, the greatest mouse plague that we have ever seen here in Australia before, and it is devastating out west. Isn't that crazy? Mouse plagues, it starts with, uh, you know, like inhibiting farmers from being able to do their thing. Now it's literally impeding justice. Like, yeah. it's just, it's just like going crazy. You kind of have to ask the question, you know, what else is it going to destroy out there? I mean, hospitals? I don't know. Ooh, what, yeah, what is the impact wow. of this thing? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Thanks on the phone this morning is Etienne McClintock from Voice of the Martyrs for a monthly update Etienne, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lyle. Good morning, listener. Lovely to be with you. Also good to hear Lawson on the phone there. <laughs> Interesting conversation regarding time and whether it began or not. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. We probably should. But, I'm just so tempted to just uh, launch into that one and discuss it. But we'd better talk about what's happening around the world as far as persecution of Christianity. Yeah, well, look, where I am at the moment, we're in Tasmania. I shared the persecution update at a Seventh-day Adventist regional at Alveston over the weekend, and then also spoke at the Point Baptist Church on Sunday. And uh, this coming uh, Saturday, this Sabbath, I'll be at uh, Margate, Seventh-day Adventist Church near Hobart. So looking forward to that. But uh, so much happening around the world. 
so many stories. And for those who have signed up to your newsletter, you will be able to read those stories on a regular basis and pray for those who are being persecuted. You know, we are encouraged by the Word of God in uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3, to remember those who are imprisoned as it changed with them, so as we're in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, those who are tortured, uh, as uh, because we're in the body of Christ also. So as fellow believers, we want to enter into fellowship with them. But June is a big month for us, uh, Voice of the Martyrs. Um, you know, because we have tax deductibility status, people tend to plan their, um, you know, their tax burden and to alleviate that somewhat through uh, giving. And uh, if we get, uh, you know, we, we get our, our, our funding, this sets us up for the rest of the year to do a lot of projects overseas. But I want to share a couple of stories just uh, out of Vietnam, just those short prayer requests we get on a regular basis. That's why we always encourage people wanting to be a voice for the martyrs, for the persecuted. We encourage them to go to our website and sign up to our newsletter. By the way, if they sign up at the moment, they'll get a, a free book. It's a hardcover book. It is the complete uh, works of Richard Wormbrandt. So it's a story of um, Sabina and Richard Wormbrandt, a fascinating story about how they were secular Jews, their, their, their worldly lifestyle and how they came to hear about the Lord. And, of course, how he then ended up uh, being persecuted for his faith when he stood up for the truth and ended up in prison for 14 years. And uh, three years of those in solitary confinement. <laughs> And uh, anyway, when you look at that story, it's interesting. Solitary confinement, people who are introverts normally think, yay, I can spend 30 days in solitary confinement not having to see anybody. But, you know, even introverts are uh, social beings. And while we're free at the moment and we can even listen to the radio if we're at home by ourselves possibly, um, we need social interaction. And people go mad within 30 days when they don't have that social interaction. But we have people in places like Vietnam at the moment where we just receive prayer requests on a regular basis because people are sharing the gospel, people are receiving the gospel, becoming followers of Christ. Um, this brother, I'll just call him Brother C.A., the authorities have severely persecuted him because he refused to renounce his faith. He became a Christian. Unfortunately, his wife didn't. However, his children are now not allowed to go to school. And because of his faith and because of the impact on their family, his wife actually divorced him. Now, the local village where he lived, they ended up destroying his crops. Now, if you can't obviously sell your crops, uh, you can't uh, edge out a living. And so he had to actually move to another area because of the persecution there. And, you know, Jesus tells us they persecute you in one city or one town, three to another. And this is what this brother had to do. Then there's another uh, brother there in Vietnam. I'll just call him Brother C.V. He became a Christian in 2019, so not that long ago. Um, he got so excited about the gospel and having Christ born within that uh, he started uh, sharing the gospel around and he became evangelist. Now, he's been severely beaten for his faith a number of times. He's continually threatened. He was also forced to leave his house. Another story of another brother. Now, that's not only a brother, it's also his mother and another and his sister. When they came to know Jesus, they were severely beaten. Now, he has actually led many people to Christ. And uh, his request is that we pray for the new believers because, I mean, he's been remaining faithful. And it's amazing how selfless some of these people are, where they don't even ask prayer for themselves. They're asking for prayer for the new believers that they remain steadfast and strong under persecution. Then one more story out of Vietnam there. There's a Sister D. I'll just call her Sister D. She was 80 years old last year, July. 80 years old when she came to know about the Lord Jesus and became a Christian. 
and then she was disowned by her family and was forced to leave her home. Now, in those countries, basically what happens is you raise your, tw- your children, you spend all the money and resources you have to raise and educate them, and as you get older, then your children look after you. But in this case, the family's disowned her, so she's got no livelihood. She's 81 years old at the moment, forced to leave her home. She's now living in a small hut in the mountains, and of course, that is where the voice of the martyr steps in and we help provide for her needs, and we'll continue to help provide for her needs and probably till the day she dies because she's uh, quite old and she's um, not able to work that well anymore. Mm. So just amazing stories around the world, Lyle. Etienne, could I just jump in for, for a quick question right there? I mean, when we talk about Vietnam, we're talking about a, a nation that has a long history of Christianity. Is mm. the antagonism against Christianity driven in Vietnam as a, by, by communism and atheism, or is it driven by other religions in Vietnam? Okay, predominantly by communism. Now, the interesting thing is, if you go to, say, Ho Chi Minh City, or even um, up in the north of the big city up there, just escapes my, uh, um, yeah, I just forgot the name at the moment, but if you go to Ho Chi Minh City, there are churches that you can go and attend. Now, these churches have uh, been given official status, they've been recognized. The challenge is, though, you can't preach anything you want out of the scriptures. So they are um, heavily regulated. And where we see the persecution in Vietnam is in the central highlands and also in the northern areas where they do target um, the local people, the tribal people, and the persecution there is severe. Uh, Hanoi was the other place I was just thinking of. Hanoi perhaps not quite as free as Ho Chi Minh City, but if you're a tourist, you just go in there and you want to go to church on the weekend, you know, on Sabbath or on Sunday, you can find a church and you can go and attend and it, it will be okay. But you can't preach just anything you want. So you've got to toe the line when you're in those places. And also for tourism, it's very expedient that there's not a, a, an appearance that they crack down on you know, on religion as such. So you'll see some beautiful cathedrals there as well. And uh, it seems to be free. But when you get to other parts of the country, uh, persecution is severe. And it is communist. It's a communist regime, basically, that does that. But also the local villagers who, um, some of them have do have some different religions, and they may attack uh, people, but uh, religion pretty much in general is uh, frowned upon, regardless of what religion it is, by the Communist Party. Yes, and it's interesting in these countries where religion is suppressed like this, because I mean, what you're describing there sounds to me very similar to what's happening in, say, somewhere like China. And yes. you know, people prefer to live in a free country. It's just that simple. They would, you know, give them the opportunity. They would, they would move and live to a free country. Exactly. Well, in China, for example, you've got the um, the, the Protestant arm of the recognized church. It's called the Three Self Patriotic Movement. And it has about 25 to 30 million members. And uh, as long as you don't preach anything of a supernatural nature, like the resurrection of Christ or the second coming of Christ, or you don't preach Bible morality, anything that they've legislated, which is contrary to Bible morality, if you preach against that, you read in the Bible something else, uh, they will shut down your church. So uh, in the last uh, two or three years, we see that they've been targeting even some of the official churches as well. But in the official churches, the communists are in full control. They decide who gets ordained as a pastor and who doesn't, who gets appointed, who can go to the seminary, and even who can get baptized. And uh, that's the only place where you can still get Bibles, but it's very difficult for people to get Bibles. But then you have about 100 million Christians who live outside of that. So every time they meet in Christian fellowship, they're breaking the law. And for being a Christian, they're breaking the law, and they get targeted a lot. I mean, we've got pastors at the moment in prison, 10-year sentences just simply for preaching the gospel. 
I think about the early Rain Covenant Church, which which had been totally shut down now. The building's been taken over by the, the Communist Party. And these people are anguishing. Even now, their children are forced to go to um, to schools and get indoctrinated regarding communism and socialism. So very tough for Christians. And there's the appearance. So you can go into China and you can go and attend a church there, no problem. But you won't hear the fullness of the gospel there. Mm. And that's why many people risk their lives because they want freedom and they want to share the gospel as they read it in the Bible. Um, I've got some other stories from Pakistan as well. I don't know if you have time to share one more story. Absolutely. Let's let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So this is very interesting. You know, in some countries, you get targeted. There's no justice. Your family can get targeted. And if you stand up for your family, uh, you get targeted even more, especially if you lay a complaint with the police department. And that is if the police will act on it. So we have a Christian man in Pakistan who was poisoned and killed by a group of radical Muslims for defending his sister from harassment. And this has sparked demands for justice. So some people are now rising up and they're protesting and say this man needs justice. The guy's name is Arif Masa. He's 32. He was beaten, kidnapped and poisoned and abandoned on the streets of the Muslim-majority Tariqabad village, which is in the Punjab province. This only happened last month. So earlier in the week, two young men had dragged his sister into the street and stripped her naked after following her home from a store and breaking into the home. Now, apparently there was some discussion between them and her. She's a Christian girl, but often they want to put pressure on on the Christian girls to convert or they want to marry them. And, uh, you know, if you um, push their advances back, they, they may target you. And this is exactly what happened here. So when they broke into a home and, and ripped her out of the house, I mean, they do this in front of all the neighbors. They just don't care because they feel that, you know, the law's on their side and there's no justice for Christians because they're second-class citizens. Their brother came to her defense, so they fought with her brother, uh, Arif Masa. And then after the fight, he actually filed a complaint against Muhammad Tariq and Muhammad Majid and the two men who arrested his sister. Now, this was on the 20th of May. So the men were not arrested, however. But when Masa reported uh, this, they threatened him for, for the for the reported police and for not dropping the complaint. So then about three days later, he was attacked by the perpetrators. They loaded him on a motorcycle with him. They beat him, they poisoned him, and threw him into the street. He was taken to hospital, but he did not survive, unfortunately, the poisoning or his injuries. And that is why some Pakistani Christians have now organized protests and demanding justice there. Unfortunately... Um, for those who have been reading our stories, if you've subscribed to our uh, weekly Pray for the Persecuted email or for our monthly newsletter, you'll see that the criminal justice system, they often discriminate against religious people, uh, sometimes other racial or ethnic minorities. And the false accusations of blasphemy in Pakistan mainly target Christians. Now, this has become quite widespread. It's only every few weeks that the new case of blasphemy emerges and quite often it's just a, a, a discussion between neighbors and then one neighbor doesn't like what the Christian neighbor is saying and then they'll say that they blasphemed either the Quran or the um, Muslim prophet Muhammad and they can face life imprisonment or even be sentenced to death and uh, in addition to this you know abused often abused blasphemy laws Christian girls are especially at risk of abduction and of rape and a forced conversions and forced marriages. So uh, terrible, terrible circumstances for Christians to live in, yet there are many faithful, and also there are many who receive the gospel irrespective of these, these challenges, where it's even illegal uh, to convert to Christianity. 
Yeah, some pretty incredible stuff that is uh, taking place around the world and we sort of feel so sheltered from it living here in Australia, you know, Take it for granted that the world is like us, but it really, really isn't. Uh, Etienne, as we're finishing off, just uh, a quick reminder of the fact that June is um, a great opportunity to make some donations to Voice of the Martyrs, of course, tax deductible, and that if you sign up for the newsletter, you get the free Richard Wormbrandt book, the complete works of Richard Wormbrandt. That's correct. It's a great book. It's a hardcover book. It's a good quality book. And, of course, half our work is humanitarian. That's why we can actually offer tax deductibility to people who, uh, who want to put in a donation. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Breakfast Show, Etienne McClinton. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.